Are we riding off the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC West a little bit too soon, even before the 2023 season begins? And Alex Smith, some interesting conversation about conservative coaches and how his career went and developing young quarterbacks. All of that on today's Locked On 49ers right now. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers finishing up the week with a live episode here. Uh, holler out to everybody there that is with us on the live stream and. Um, we love you just as much, those of you uh, that are catching us on Friday morning, maybe on your drive to work or on a jog, whenever it is you listen every day here to Locked On at 49ers. Interesting uh, stuff that I want to talk about here, Croc, and um, as it pertains to the 49ers and some some topics I didn't expect to get into today. Uh, you got some pushback with your with your Rams conversation. Uh, people people might think you you love LA a little bit too much with the with the Lakers love they're going 0-2 uh, right now in that series. But with uh, with the Rams now saying you might take the over on the Rams, I want to get into that next. But start with Alex Smith. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, developing quarterbacks in the NFL. We've talked so much quarterback here on on the podcast as we know the last couple of years especially as it pertains to young quarterbacks and developing those young court quarterbacks and alex smith was a famous one with the 49ers drafted number one overall bad team he was so young 20 years old and um you can break down what you think the comments meant and i've got some ideas and, and we've gotten a lot of feedback as well about some other ideas that fans have about what it could mean with the current group of san francisco 49ers yeah definitely it, it was fun i kind of put it out there because you kind of you 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 see the context in which Alex Smith was actually using, and he just talked about conservative coaches, and and he really kind of took a shot at Robert Sala. We, I think the world of Robert Sala, but as it pertains to really developing young quarterbacks, and maybe Robert Sala not being the best fit for a young guy like Zach Wilson, and maybe what he needed. I think he started reminiscing a little bit, but the way that he described defensive coaches and why they aren't so great for young quarterbacks. It almost felt like you could kind of tie Kyle Shanahan into that as well. So, you know, we've talked about Kyle Shanahan being conservative. I think we just talked about it maybe on the last episode. Like, man, yeah, you know, Kyle Shanahan, he kind of calls a conservative game. I remember during last season or maybe the year before, I put a tweet out there talking about, man, this guy has all these weapons, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kyle Juszczyk, all these guys, and he still leans on the defense to win them games. It, it, that's how it felt like he called games. So as it pertains to maybe developing a young guy like a Trey Lance, who might need it more than Brock Purdy, right? Like, clearly, we saw Brock Purdy. Didn't look like you had to be conservative with him. But, you know, all quarterbacks need different things. Alex Smith was talking specifically about Zach Wilson and maybe what he needed, and he talked about how – Defensive coaches have this mindset of don't do anything to lose the game. Don't do anything that's too risky. Just be, you know, super ball control, super game manager, and then we'll just help you out from there. Does it sound like Kyle Shanahan to you as it pertains to maybe how he views the quarterback position and what goes into developing a young guy? Yeah, there's a lot of things that this makes me think of. One, yes, how difficult of a road it was for Alex Smith earlier. A conservative, old school head coach, 
defensive minded head coach on top of it. Uh, you know, as distortion productions here in the in the live chat points out, uh, Alex Smith had a new offensive coordinator every year, I think, for his first five years in the league. And uh, that's not a really great way to develop. But it's it's funny. Is it just just X's and O's? Because it was the same stinking roster going into 2011 when Jim Harbaugh, an offensive minded guy, a guy that is a, sort of a raw, raw coach that gives ultimate confidence to his players. All of a sudden, Alex Smith's playing the best ball of his career. And the 49ers are winning a whole bunch of games. The roster wasn't different, really, from 2010 to 2011. And all of a sudden, they start winning some games. And then you see the the great end of the career that that um, that Alex Smith had under Andy Reid. And, and we've talked about how Kyle Shanahan's career right now is sort of mimicking the path of Andy Reid. Great X's and O's coach, great offensive mind, can't win the big game. And we've actually talked previously on this podcast, Croc, about how in some ways, Kyle Shanahan might be a little too tight. Like he almost needs to let go to allow himself to win more. That's what we've kind of seen from Andy Reid, be a really loose, uh, you know, not, not only an offensive minded guy, but just kind of letting go a little bit and allowing things to happen, allowing his team to win, having a, a sort of a wild quarterback and, and drafting a guy that nobody knew what to do with that had all these tools, but played in a completely different scheme and might throw the ball in a, in a way that people weren't really used to then. And now you've got guys practicing throwing balls behind their back and uh, no looks and, and all of these things really changed the game. So and part of it, oh, well, yeah, nobody, uh, part of it too, when it is of Mahomes, right? And there are a lot of people that just think, well, Mahomes, he's just great, but he throws a lot of interceptable passes. And for him to attempt some of the throws that he does, obviously he has that type of ability, but you also need a coach that's going to let you be free and, and do those things because obviously you see where it could get him in trouble, but then you also see like what makes him great and leading the NFL in interceptable passes, passes hitting guys in the hands or chest. Uh, you know, I think he had a higher mark, higher amount of interceptions. It was either last year or the year before. I think last year it didn't start off great. I think he finished great though, but it's just Andy Reid lets him just, hey, man, just be you. Just be you, and we're going to develop you that way. I go back to the Super Bowl against the 49ers, and it's like fourth and one. And what do they do? Did they look tight at all? It's fourth and one. They're in the red zone, and they come out, and they do like this little – they line up, then they spin, and then they line up, then they snap the ball, they get the first down. And that doesn't look like a, a team or a coach that's coaching tight, coaching his players tight. And I wonder, you know – as it pertains to kind of developing a young quarterback, has that helped Patrick Mahomes be the best version of himself? I think it absolutely has. Um, <laughs> Locked on Sharks here. Shout out to uh, our network brethren. Is it weird to see how much more aggressive Mike McDaniel is than Kyle Shanahan? That's one of the things I first noticed when when um, Mike McDaniel's, uh, you know, rookie head coaching uh, season there with the uh, with the Miami Dolphins and, and what that looked like. He was like, okay, yeah, they're 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 playing loose over there. Um, and Kyle coaches a certain way, and Kyle's a great coach, right? But it goes beyond X's and O's, and I think there are some things that Kyle could be better at beyond X's and O's and some game management stuff. And um, and then it also brought up the conversation, Croc, about the defensive side of the ball, right? And Kyle has that sort of mentality, and then you start thinking about, well, how come the 49ers defense is always so good? I think a lot of that has to do with Kyle as much as it has to do with the defensive coordinators in a lot of cases. Right. You look at the three defensive coordinators right now, the 49ers have had, whether it's Robert Sala, uh, and then obviously you have D'Amico Ryans, and then now you got Wilkes. But with the first two guys, was it them or was it Kyle Shanahan? Because it seems like, I don't know if he sits in on those meetings and tell those guys how to 
call, you know, call their defense and run it. And hey, this is what works against these type of offenses. But his mindset definitely feels more. I'm gonna lean on my defense. My defense is really good. I'm gonna lean on that. And I don't mind that, or typically wouldn't. But when I look at the weapons the 49ers have, that's the part that makes it very like kind of weird for me to see a coach be so conservative while being the offensive genius, but also having all these weapons and still being as conservative as we've seen Kyle Shanahan be. And, and really when it comes to quarterback development, that's one of the things that I'm looking at Kyle Shanahan. Like, you know, what's really going on here? He's too good of an offensive coordinator to for Jimmy Garoppolo to not really ever play much better than he did in those first five games when he showed up and didn't even know the, the scheme. And and then they draft Trey Lance. And then now it's like, well, what's what's happening there? You couldn't coach up this guy with all this talent that you traded up to get at number three overall. And this, you know, college seventh round pick that played, you know, four years worth of college ball and had, you know, uh, a, a lot of, you know, was further along in his development comes in and, and can run the system just fine. And, and, and is, and is outplaying the young, the young guy that, that you went up to get to be the dude. Uh, and then we'll see what it looks like with Brock Purdy. Does Brock Purdy get better? I, I, and so uh, it's, you know, it's up to Kyle Shanahan to help that development along. Um, you know, it's, it's up to the rest of the coaching staff too. And the other thing is Kyle's a great coach and really good at identifying other coaches too. So yeah. I'm not saying there's, they're doing a bad coaching job, but I think Alex Smith is onto something and he went through it and he got better as things got looser around him, as far as uh, an offensive coach, a structure of allowing him to maybe not be, so and because he because because Alex was ultra conservative, especially early in his career, and I always thought that was just on Alex. Like, oh, this check down Charlie doesn't want to make a mistake and just checks down everything. That I think development was a big part of that, and that's what that's what he's telling us. You just mentioned, you know, does Brock Purdy get better? And that's does he get better from what we just saw, which was a terrific. Well, that'll be hard, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it doesn't get any. It doesn't get much better than what we saw from Brock Purdy. And then, all right, well, Kyle, he kind of came to you as this person, right? When people talk about what made Brock Purdy like just so different, right? His command in the huddle and and his just uh his mindset and his attention to detail, like all those things kind of came to you like that. You didn't really have to uh coach that part of it into him. You just kind of had to, hey, this is what we're gonna do, make these throws, etc. So now we saw this version of Brock Purdy, which was really good. Do we see a higher level of Brock Purdy? And I think that's the part right now which is questionable. You've seen people question a lot of times with Kyle Shanahan and his ability to develop young quarterbacks. Uh, you talked about Jim Harbaugh and how Alex Smith, you know, got so much better, or we saw the play, right? And I think about Harbaugh in his press conferences and they ask him questions, and everybody was always the greatest. Like his his quarterbacks are amazing. Like everybody, right? And maybe he really felt like that. It almost felt like because he is a little different, a little quirky. He truly felt like Alex Smith is the greatest. Oh, Colin Kaepernick, oh, he's the greatest. And it's like every time you ask him about his players, like they're always the greatest. And how does that get you to play as a player? I'd assume very well if you just think, man, my coach thinks the world of me and he's just riding with me. And he's, you know, hitting my shoulders and helmet before I go out there and, and take this first snaps because he's excited. He's pumping me up. I'm pumped up. And Kyle is just, he's kind of the opposite. He's cut, we see him on the sideline cussing quarterbacks out, ripping them if they make a wrong read. And I think that it it works well when it's, when it's cooking or when his players are making, you know, run after catch opportunities. But what does it do to the psyche of his young quarterbacks? And I always wonder because Jimmy Garoppolo, 
I mean, you've talked about it. Jimmy G in college, man, he was airing it out. And then you look at him in New England. He still was doing some of those things. Then he gets to the 49ers, and all of a sudden it's like, man, I can't throw outside the numbers. I can't throw down the field. How much of that was on Kyle? And it's hard to argue with anything that Kyle does because of all the success the 49ers have had, three NFC championship games and the Super Bowl in the last four years. I mean, like, that's amazing. So it's kind of hard to say, oh, well, Kyle's going about it the wrong way because if look at the success he has had as a team. I want to go down this a little bit further because there's comments about Matt Ryan and his relationship with Kyle Shanahan recently, an article from NBC Sports. So we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, getting to the Los Angeles Rams as well. Are people riding off the Rams too soon? Crocs taking the over on those win totals for those Los Angeles Rams in 2023. Next. Today's episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by Built Bar. You're looking for that delicious snack. Of course you are. But you don't want all the sugar and calories. Of course you don't. Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. Uh, healthy can taste amazing, guys. And with Built, you can get there. Built Bars, Built Puffs. The newest at Built.com, I'm looking at right now, I cannot believe my eyes, Built Crispy Bars. Peanut butter and mint chocolate flavors are the first ever Built Crispy Bars. They are crispy, crunchy, chewy, delicious, and even more protein than the regular bars. We're talking 20 grams of protein in the Built Crispy Bars, 170 calories, uh, only five grams of sugar. Uh, if you look at the classic Built Bars versus other Built or other protein bars on the market, Coconut Built Bar, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 2.5 grams of fat, only four grams of net carbs, only four grams of sugar. Compare that to protein bars that have 250 calories still but only half the the protein in them and double the sugar and 10 times the net carbs right and we're not even talking candy bars which i would stack built bars up with the taste of candy bars and we're talking insane amounts of sugar that'll derail your diet with one bar so go check out built bars built puffs all the varieties built crispy at built Dot com and you can find them on your store shelves walmart and sam's club and some other stores in your area as well and then you can thank us later you got to check it out at built.com all right croc uh real quick on the harbaugh thing uh lkv in the chat says harbaugh was also extremely conservative uh but but i think you had a great point there and, and harbaugh is just a weird interesting dude anyway um and LKV goes on to say he was so great that they tried to replace him the next year with Peyton Manning. But that's the thing is publicly and to Alex, you know, he J Jim Harbaugh was a, was a tough guy and but he was a raw rock guy. He always publicly backed his guys no matter what. Everybody was the best all the time. Pounding guys shoulders pads on the sideline, getting a pumped to go in there and play a game. Right. Guys would run through the wall. For, for Coach Harbaugh. Like that team was one of the most physical teams I've ever seen in my life. And they were there to play. And, and you know, and there was some conservatism, I think, as well with those teams, but uh, they played a lot more free than the Mike Nolan teams. And, and in some ways, maybe more free than the Kyle Shanahan teams. Um, and the Peyton Manning stuff was all hush hush. You know, he wasn't like, well, we don't know if Alex Smith's going to be our guy and, and doing all this. And, and everyone knew they're trying to go get Peyton Manning. Uh, it was kind of a secret thing. Right. And you find out later that he's trying to sneak away on the side field that someone caught a photo of and he's working out Peyton Manning. He didn't want people to know about that because publicly he wanted to back the guys that he had. And so I think that's what we're talking about here. Uh, and all these coaches are very different and everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. And, and right now there's no, you know, nobody you'd trade Kyle Shanahan for, but I think the jury's still out on how well he is at, at developing quarterbacks. 
And, and that's the only thing that we're questioning right now. His ability to have guys ready, uh, identify players, identify coaches. I mean, I, he probably does that as well as anyone in the league. But as but there's something with his just personality in the way he is that there's this really rough side to him where it's very black and white and you're either going to do it exactly how I say it or you're kind of in the doghouse. And I remember hearing just this past season – uh, Debo Samuel talk about how if you don't run the route, and, and I understand this, but it was the, it was just to the extent of how he how Kyle Shanahan expresses it. But if you don't run the route, you know exactly one yard outside the hash, and then exactly you know between nine and ten yards to a T, oh, you get ripped, you get cussed out, right? And the doghouse, and it's a tough way. But it is like, man, if you do that enough times, then now you're just in the doghouse. And it could be a talented player that he just never gets the most out of that player because, well, he coached that player the same way he would coach this other player. Sometimes for guys, it doesn't work that way with them. And, you know, if you're Eric Crocker at the bottom of the roster, okay, whatever, kick rocks. But some of these guys that you invested a lot in or traded up for, you never get the most out of them because you coach them the same way you coach this other guy. Maybe that guy needs a different kind of coaching style. Locked on Sharks says, uh, Brandon Ayuk, fantasy owners everywhere understand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brother Barbecue here. Oh, it's not Brother Barbecue. Oh, this is RLB2ESQ. I remember this guy. Brother Bob now. That's a lot easier to say. Shout out, Brother Bob. He says, according to Wilkes, uh, Kyle kind of told him what to do. Wouldn't let him hire any defensive coaches, but let him take over the secondary. And I hear Coach Wilkes, uh, you know, at the podium talking about how, you know, and, and people are looking into it, how how the defense might be different. And Wilkes, I've heard a couple times now speak, and, you know, I think he wants to be aggressive, heard him say the word blitz. Uh, so we'll see how different, you know, the game is called for the 49ers. But I have a feeling, like Brother Bob says here, it's not going to change a lot. And I do think Kyle Shanahan has control of a lot in the building, including the defensive side of the ball. So uh, we'll see. Is there more press man coverage? Is there more blitzing happening with the 49ers defense? Uh, under Wilkes, we're going to see a lot of the same like we did with the last two defensive coordinators. It's it's, it's going to be fun to find out. But, yeah, it's, it's something that doesn't go said about Kyle Shanahan that I think we start need to start acknowledging is how much control he has over the defense and 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 how good he is with not just designing plays, but, you know, putting together the entire staff, including the defensive side of the ball. And that, that's a big reason why the 49ers are so good on that side of the ball. He's very hands-on on, the, on that side of the ball, at least even, I think, with personnel as well. Uh, you know, I've heard the story about Akela Witherspoon, and we all remember the Dolphins game when the guy Brian Allen was in there, and he was just getting roasted. And then Akela Witherspoon comes in the game, and Akela Witherspoon was getting, like, just killed to the media because, well, why wasn't he out there to start the game? And if he was healthy enough to play when Brian Allen's getting toasted, he should have been healthy enough to start the game, et cetera. He got ripped. I think it was even maybe Dante Whitner that was like, he's soft. Capital S, capital O, capital F, capital T. Just soft, right? And everybody's just ripping him. And the story I hear from behind the scenes was it was Kyle Shanahan's decision for uh, Keller Witherspoon to not start that game. So he does have uh, a de decent amount of control on over. And he probably says, hey, you guys do what you want to do. But I think at any time, if he wants to step in, he, he will. Now, we're, everything that we're discussing, again, we're, we're nitpicking here on someone who has done very well as a 49ers head coach. But do you think the, for these reasons, it would be hard for him to kind of get over the top as a coach? Because we see him get right there, but he's just close. And, if I mean, if you align the timeline with 
Andy Reid, who we mentioned earlier, it's not like he won a Super Bowl in his first seven years. But maybe right. did Andy Reid have to learn from something maybe he previously did in the past? Yeah, or did he just have to get super lucky with a quarterback? <laughs> and maybe that's what Kyle needs. Like all this stuff we're talking about, developing quarterbacks, it's just you got to get lucky with one. And maybe he did. Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft. Maybe Brock Purdy is that dude. And we'll find out that like, man, they got – this is Drew Brees. This is Joe Montana. Like that's who they got. Wow. Because, you know, he looked like he could be that um, at, at, at his rookie season. We look at these other quarterbacks, right, and as it pertains to developing and kind of just what – they needed. And Josh Allen comes up a lot. And I think deservedly so. I mean, this was a guy who, his rookie year, he really stunk it up. His second year, he he was cool, you know? And then obviously you see him start to take off. Look at other guys, right? I mean, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. And, and then, again, we're talking about just developing a guy. Jalen Hurts, his rookie year, he started, what, four or five games? In one of those games, he got benched for Nate Subfield. Benched for Nate Subfield. And the new coach, Sirianni, or whatever his name is, came in. He was just like, no, that's our guy. And they just, hey, we're just going to play him and let him develop. You know, regardless, of, you know, and he went to the playoffs, got crushed by Tampa Bay. Crushed. And still, nah, mm, nope, that's our guy. And then now nobody would, you know, now you look at what he was and it's like, man, MVP, runner-up, or whatever he was. But you weren't saying that. A couple years ago, and I think a lot of it had to do with how they went about developing the young quarterback who needed a lot of work. Right? Let, let's say this: if Brock Purdy came in, right? Okay, let's look at uh, his rookie year and talk about Jalen Hurts and just how he played. And then Brock Purdy comes in, and Brock Purdy just does what he just did. How many people would play Brock Purdy over Jalen Hurts? Probably a, a a lot of people, right? Like a high percentage yeah. of people. Like, would Gardner Minshew be the quarterback right now for the Eagles? And we still we wouldn't have known what Hurts could have become. It, exactly. But then now you see it, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, of course. I mean, it's yeah. easy to say it when it when it happens, but again, to tie that back into Kyle, I think sometimes he, it's a little bit more like, oh, whoop, this is right here. Okay, I like this. Okay, and that's it. And then he doesn't know what he wants. I feel like. Like if 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 Trey Lance goes and lights it up, now all of a sudden everything you said about Brock Purdy, who you love, I mean we all love Brock Purdy, but now all of a sudden he's going to switch up again. That's what it feels like. I don't I don't think he truly knows exactly what he wants to do. I think it changes. That that's the other thing. It feels like it changes, and I feel like the the tail wags the dog in some ways with some of the decisions they make because they do some amazing things and they're picking off these starters and stars in the fifth round and like they can't even can't figure out what they want a quarterback. And it's like well. How you be so good here, but have this weird blind spot here and do some weird stuff. And, uh, you know, and like the, the kicker thing, it's like Robbie Gold's 40 years old. You didn't plan ahead to have a kicker. You had to go draft the highest kicker, whatever year it happened to be that Robbie Gold became a free agent. You know, maybe Jake Moody's amazing, but, you know, maybe it was a different year, with different kickers. And you just drafted Roberto Aguayo. But because that's the year it happened, we're going to draft the kicker. You know, you're, you're, the tail is wagging the dog a little bit in some of those ways when you're when you're chasing that kind of stuff. So it's it's a strange organization, but man, it's it's a fun team because they're good and they also give us this extra stuff to talk about that that makes us scratch our heads a little bit. Uh and that's what makes the sport so fun because there's so many moving parts in the NFL is is chaos. Croc, Super Bowl 60 coming back to the San Francisco Bay Area. Will the 49ers be in it? Will the Rams be in it? Are we are we 
are we crushing the Rams too soon? Are the Rams already cooked? Or do they have something left under Sean McVay with a couple of stars that they still uh, held on to on that roster next? Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you are subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Shout out to the everydayers and make sure you check out everything else here on the network like Locked On Sharks, Locked On San Francisco Giants, uh, Locked On Warriors. There is a Locked On Lakers podcast, I'm sure. Probably not one you're going to want to tune into tomorrow because they're not going to have have any fun conversations there but uh you're you're covered on no matter team no matter the sport here on the locked on podcast network peacock the williamson nfl show by the way make sure you're subscribed up there and uh hit the notification bell and the thumbs up on the new youtube channel for peacock and williamson myself and former nfl scott matt williamson all right here we go crap super bowl 60 are the 49ers gonna play in it i think i saw somebody say earlier that the brock purdy and and Trey Lance is going to be entering their prime ages, 26, 27 years old, when uh, when Super Bowl 60 comes around. Are the 49ers going to be in it? Are the Los Angeles Rams going to be in Super Bowl 60? I will say this, dude. I hope the Rams don't hit rock bottom. The worst thing that could possibly happen for the 49ers is the Los Angeles Rams go mess around and get Caleb Williams, and he sticks around in Los Angeles, right? So, dude, like, I swear, the 49ers, I would rather... I this this is not the way that teams think. I would rather the 49ers lose both games against the Cardinals and Rams and and lose home field and have to go on the road in the playoffs than one of those teams get Caleb Williams in the draft and 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 somehow end up with a you know somebody who's like a imagine having Patrick Mahomes. You know, like I don't know if Caleb Williams is going to be that. People are starting to talk about him the same way that they talked about Trevor Lawrence, right? But it wouldn't be super fun for the 49ers if Trevor Lawrence or uh, Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes was in the NFC West. No, not at all. And when you watch Caleb Williams, right, and this is not me because I, you know, obviously pay close attention to USC, but we always do this with guys where, like, the year before they're eligible to come out, it's like, oh, man, he's the best. And then once he comes out, you kind of poke holes in his game and maybe you're not as high on him. I don't think that's going to happen with Caleb Williams. Dude, dude is special. In every game that I watch, he just does things that I just don't see other pe- people do. And a lot of people like uh, Drake May, the quarterback out of North Carolina, he's not touching Caleb Williams. Like, I don't even think it's close. How is can Andrew Luck RG3 situation? Uh, y- yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously like different styles, but yeah. Right. Where Drake May is big, you know, 6'5". 230 pound quarterback, you know, he's kind of like that guy. Right. And Caleb Williams is like 6'2. You know, he's not as big, but man, dynamic, dynamic thrower of the football. And you definitely don't want these uh, teams to get them, the Rams or the Cardinals. But I was, you know, I, I have put out on Twitter that the Rams win, you know, the over under on their wins was 7.5. I'm like, that's no burner. Like, smash that. And I do think when you look at their roster, you can kind of poke holes, especially in their defense. I don't know many of those players outside of Aaron Donald. But I give them the same respect as I give Kyle Shanahan those guys, where they are very well coached. And one thing that we've seen from the L.A. Rams, outside of just their their team being decimated by injuries, you know, uh, Matthew Stafford being hurt, Aaron Donald being hurt, Cooper Cup being hurt, like, of course, and they still manage to win five games. You tell me they, they can't be 2.5 wins better? 
with those guys on the field. Now, if you're predicting they get hurt again and there's just something wrong with Matthew Stafford's elbow still, then yeah. I get it. But as it as it pertains right now, I think they're going to be very well coached and they're going to win games because that's all I've seen from Sean McVay and the Rams. And I think people are kind of writing them off because they did have a bad season last year, terrible. But that hasn't been the norm for him. Again, I view him like I view Kyle and those guys, where it doesn't matter who's out there. 49ers have dealt with a lot of injuries, and they still figure out ways to win games. And I think Sean McVay and those guys, as long as it's not their quarterback or the other two core players, I think that's a team that definitely can win eight games. I would for sure put money that the Rams have a better record than the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and the big part of that is because of the coaching staff. And they lost Ramsey, but they kept all the other stars. So if Stafford's healthy, a healthy Cooper Cup, a healthy Aaron Donald, it's a good place to start. I don't think they're going to be a great team. I'm not going to worry about how good they are. But, you know, and like I said, I don't want them to go in the tank. And what was the motivation for Because there was talk that Aaron Donald might retire. There was talk that Sean McVay might go hit the, the broadcast booth. What was the motivation for them to come back? It probably wasn't to be a, you know, a 4-13 and 13 team. Unless they're truly like that was the thing, and they're like, "Oh, wait a second, hey, maybe Les Snead's like, hey, McVay, check this out. Let's tank hard this year. We'll get you a superstar quarterback, and then we'll we'll, we'll build it up again." I mean, maybe like I wouldn't no. ask them if that was their plan, but I just I don't think that that's what their plan was. I, I think they came back because they're motivated and they're going to win some games. And and you're right, like I, I haven't seen a bad Sean McVay team, so it's hard to project that they would be bad. And, and they could you could you could cash on that over bet, and they'd still be under five hundred. I think sometimes 49er fans, we get so used to seeing what the Niners might do to a team. And we've seen Kyle Shanahan clearly in the regular season just have Sean McVay's number. I mean, he's just been kicking his butt for the last four years in the regular season. And, and I talked about it with uh, Geno Smith and the Seahawks, where I think they're going to be good. Before I realized, oh, nope, as long as they got Geno Smith, not worried about it. I'm like, well, Geno had a terrific year. And if that was a 49er quarterback, we'd be saying he's the best ever. <laughs> right? And, but for whatever reason, the Seahawks can't get any better. So I think sometimes for our fans, when you listen to kind of their tone, they write off these teams. But when I look at the Rams and week two, everybody's just like, oh, W for the 49ers. But yeah, probably. But man, I'm not overlooking this team, especially this early in the season where they are going to be fresh, where they are going to have all that energy. And if the Rams can come out week one and get a W, and then they return home and have to play the 49ers, well, Levi South, that that can be a tougher game that I think some people want to admit. I do think there's an opportunity for them to be pretty bad, though, when you start, because I went and looked at the roster just to double check on, on what they were left with there because they do have some stars and they have some good players and there's going to be some players that step up for them. And, you know, they had a rookie class that I think has some, some nice picks in it. But, man, that secondary, those corners, now that, uh, that, uh, <laughs> now that Ramsey is gone, it is the back seven is is pretty, and even the defensive line outside of um, outside of Aaron Donald is it's a little lean, Croc. So, are we are we worried about their corners with how Kyle Shanahan calls plays? Are you talking about like versus Forty ers their DBs, yes. or versus? I'm everybody? worried about them against against their own offense in practice. Well, when I look at the Forty ers and how Kyle Shanahan is like, does he attack guys on the outside? That doesn't seem like his thing. It's like, hey, we want to attack this linebacker now. Who the heck are their linebackers? I, I don't know. He do that too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably where, you know, it's like, who is this guy? Like, really, I can't name those guys. But again, 
even if it was the 49ers. And I remember watching the 49ers when there were probably a lot of guys on that team that a casual fan that just watches football probably couldn't name a lot of guys on those defenses. But they always played hard. They always competed. And I feel like McVay is going to get his guys up like that. Remember, remember, first year with the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan lost five straight games by three or less points with whoever the hell was out there. I'm going to go through some of these names here really quick. Uh, so at wide receiver, we know Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and Ben Skaronic, who uh, you know had a nice run for them and got a lot of run last year with all the injuries. Offensive line, Joe Noteboom, left tackle. They drafted second-rounder Steve Avila. That was their per- first pick this year. Brian Allen, longtime center. Uh, then Logan Bruss, who was injured last year. He was the first player they drafted last year in the third round, a guard. Uh, he'll be back this year for them at right guard. Rob Havenstein at, at right tackle. So not a great offensive line, but they could hold their head above water. You know, Higby at tight end. I really like Davis Allen, their fifth-round pick at tight end this year. They got Bryson Hopkins there at, as well. And then, of course, Cam Akers at running back has had a weird career. Kylan, uh, Kyron Williams behind him. Zach Evans uh, was their sixth-round pick at at running back this year as a player I like. And then, of course, Matthew Stafford, which is the big key to all of it. If he's if his arm's toast, then they're going to be turning into rookie Stetson Bennett. And, um, you know, they draft him in the fourth round. They must like him, but who knows how that would look, right? That, that, that could be the disaster scenario if Stafford can't hang. He hasn't even graduated from college. Do you think that's weird? That's – well, look – I can't years in college. I, look, look, look. I can't say anything because it took me 10 years to get my bachelor's degree. So I can't say much about Stetson Bennett, but I I bet he attended more classes than I did over the course of his however long seven years he's been in college, man. The fact that he doesn't have a degree is pretty wild. And I've heard like he's like legendary off-field status too. Like I think he's uh, the the way I think one of the scout there was like an anonymous scout talking about Stetson Bennett, and I think the way he put it was he acts like how you or I would probably act if we were in his shoes yeah. and went back to college <laughs> and we're the big man on campus and the quarterback. Like that's, that's the way he put it. It's like, okay, I think I get what you're saying there. Yeah. That's what I mean. I just looked, I'm like, wait, he doesn't have his degree. And you saw some people making a big deal out of it. And some people like, well, it took me a long time to graduate. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's different. When you play college football, you have to take a full load of classes. So he has taken a full load of classes for six years and doesn't have his degree. Like he had to purposely wow. try not to graduate. Yeah, you can just get it. Try not to and make sure that the classes he was taking didn't add up to him graduating. Yeah, that, that's a red flag. <laughs> I'm off. I'm off him now. You can't be in college for six years and at the very least not have a independent studies degree. Yeah, come on, like a sports, uh, sports and leisure degree, something. <laughs> here's the defense real quick. We, we got to wrap this episode up, but when you start going through it, like the offense might be okay. Sean McVay is the coach, right? Matthew Stafford's the quarterback, Cooper cup. They might be all right. Marquise Copeland. Would you know what he looked like if you pass him on the street? Crowd? I wouldn't know. I don't know who that is. So <laughs> He's an undrafted free agent in 2019. Uh, he's listed here as the starter on the depth chart. Uh, how about Bobby Brown? The third. Not the one that was married to Whitney. Uh, He's the nose tackle. Then you got Aaron Donald, and then you got rookie Byron Young, who we we did the tape on and talking pre-draft out of Tennessee, speed rusher. Uh, then there is linebacker Ernest Jones. Yep. If if you don't told know me who that is, here's <laughs> here's the linebackers. You talking about Kyle taking advantage of linebackers? Here are the Rams linebackers: 
projected starters. Ernest Jones, Christian Roseboom, and Michael Holt. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Two of them were undrafted free agents in 2020, and the other one was a third-round pick in 2021. And I, I swear I know every single player that's been drafted in the third round over the last few years, and I still never heard of Ernest Jones, who was a third-rounder <laughs> in 2021. So, uh, And then you go to the secondary. Uh, we all know who Jordan Fuller is, the strong safety. They got a guy by the name of Russ Yeast, who was the seventh-rounder last year, projected starting free safety. Robert Rochelle at one corner. UCA. Uh, Darion Kendrick, the other corner, sixth rounder last year, and then Kobe Durant, fourth rounder last year at nickel. Kendrick, he ran a four seven at his pro day. He came out of Georgia. I want to say, yeah, ran so a four seven. Four seven doesn't really play great on the outside. They did draft uh, the five eight, uh, Travius Hodges Tomlinson though in this class at sixth round. He might end up starting for them. A lot of rookies going to be playing Croc. That doesn't usually add up to a lot of wins. I think. It does not defensively, but hey, you got you got you got Matthew Stafford. Can you can he work a little magic? I mean, he couldn't for Detroit Lions in kind of a Detroit Lions situation. Again, I just have more respect for Sean McVay and those guys. I just do. Great call by Emiliano Stetson is Jeremy Piven's character in PCU. I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, and I want to go back to another comment here from Brother Bob, Brian, what you sipping on? Let me go to my fridge then. Yeah, uh, I went, you know, for the live show to end the week, cheers to all the listeners, all the everydayers. I went with a, a Boulevardier, which is a, a Negroni with with whiskey, basically. So equal parts, rye whiskey, Campari, and sweet vermouth. That's what I'm sipping on. I will pour up something, but, you know, I live in a dry county. So, uh... so how does that work? You got to go to a different county to get groceries and get a bottle and bring it home? I have to go to a different county to get a bottle. And can you get, can you go like at a restaurant? Like if you go to a Mexican restaurant, they got margaritas, you go yes. to, you get some food, you can get, you can get alcohol there, beer and, and cocktails maybe. But you can't take it home. You can't take it home. Okay. So, but like, you know, gas station, people go to gas station. Okay. Let's get, have a beer run. We don't have beer at our gas station. You know, it's funny, Croc. Uh, I tried to send you as a gift. You don't know this yet. Nobody knows this. This is breaking news to everybody. Uh, listening to this podcast and you croc when your gym first opened i got you something special to send to you and it's illegal for me to send you the bottle that i got so at some point when i see you face to face again i got to give it to you because i can't send it to you in arkansas <laughs> that's crazy yeah no that's wild that's what well i appreciate the, the if it's still if it lasts long enough till then because i'm gonna crack that thing open pretty soon uh-oh <laughs> yeah dry county it's tough i mean you and then my my mother-in-law comes over and drinks all my alcohol and then leaves. And then it's like, dude, like, well, what if I want to pour something up? Because I don't drink often. I only drink, you know, I'll pour up something every once in a while. But if she's here and I'm not home, I come home and it's like a little bit lower. I even started marking, I started marking the alcohol because I knew I'm like, why does it look lower than it was before? So I started marking it like with a permanent marker. And then I would come back, you know, I'm, I'm always traveling. I come back and it's like well below the line. And it's like, your mom come? So I started hiding it, like under the sink in my office, hiding it in different places. She find it. I'm like, how is she? How is she doing this? That's like the the you got to do that with you know, high school kids too. They're sneaking in, and you you got to you got to put a mark on it. But then, hey, but if she listens to this podcast, she can start refilling it with water if it's clear liquor, and you're not gonna know the difference. That's what that's what me and my friends did when we were in high school. When we saw the mark, refill it with water. Oh wow, that's smart. That's yeah. 
I ain't drinking high school, so they groom they groom smart in Visalia, California. I didn't really either. All right, we got to get out of here. <laughs> we're going off the rails here, and we're going long on this edition of Locked On 49ers Live. Thank you so much, everybody, for jumping in the live chat, hanging out, talking 49ers with us every single day. Make sure you are subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Croc and I back Monday right here. Getting ready for, ready for OTAs, Croc, on Locked On 49ers. Let's do it. Subscribe to this video.